Welcome to the Double Fine Action Cast. I'm Chris Remo, and today we have a really amazing lineup of people here. Uh, we're doing a special composers edition of the podcast. So I'm here with Brian Min, who is the audio director here at Double Fine, uh, as well as Peter McConnell, Peter McConnell, sorry, and Austin Wintry, who are both uh, incredibly acclaimed composers. Uh, whose work you're probably familiar with. Uh, Peter McConnell has been working with Tim for many, many years, uh, going back to the LucasArts days, uh, and uh, also many Double Fine games, uh, Psychonauts, Brutal Legend, um, Stacking, uh, Costume Quest, and most recently the Double Fine Adventure uh, game. Um, And uh, Austin has composed these scores to many, many games, and most recently was nominated for a Grammy Award for his work on Journey, which is the first time that's ever happened for a video game, correct? So I've heard. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard it's that. It's all still I'm sure not real, yeah. but... but sure. uh, well, well done on that. It was a fantastic score. I thought it was great. Uh, so yeah, welcome to all to you guys. This yeah, is good a, to this be here. A distinguished panel. Um, and I'm not really um, very much of a professional composer, but I did... I do uh, various indie game soundtracks in my spare time and also uh, did the music for um, Space Base, which is an Amiga Fortnite game here at Double Fine. Don't be shy, Chris. Quite accomplished. <laughs> you could hold your own. Sure. Like Ocean's Eleven. Sort of. <laughs> Bit to play. Can I be the little acrobatic uh, <laughs> Chinese guy? Yeah. Exactly. Oh, and I didn't mention, but Brian also, in addition to being our audio director, is also a composer and most recently did the original soundtrack for The Cave. Yes, The Cave. Ron, Ron Gilbert's project here at Double Fine. Fun times. Yeah. So, Austin, I feel like your connection to Double Fine is the, is the least the obvious out of all of us here. So, could you explain what, what your connection is? Uh, well, I was just walking by and I'm a huge fan. And I stalk this place and so I. <laughs> Managed to uh, get myself in the door right as you were hitting record. Um, uh, well, my my sole bit of double fine overlap was writing um, a b- good chunk of the music in Connect Party, mm-hmm. and I don't know exactly what the percentage, but it seemed like it ended up being about half the game. Yep. Um, and um, it was one of the most fun times I've ever I've ever had writing music. You know, I tend to be a very kind of uh, as much as I kind of screw around when I'm hanging out with people, I tend to be kind of this really existential and kind of eccentrically uh, overly serious, probably in a very melodramatic way, when it comes to to uh, composing. And so to have a game like that come along, where I just get to be wacky and uh, sit there and just laugh at myself while I was writing was, was a really actually uh, amazing experience. As, as you know, uh, Brian and I met, and he said, what what interests you as a composer? And I said, well, I've just finished Journey, and it was a really special experience. And so basically I want to do something that's as different from that as possible. Mm-hmm. And Connect Party couldn't have delivered on that higher. That would that would be true no matter what game you said. <laughs> I just true. worked on anything. Connect Party is about as different from that as you can get. Yeah, I, I think it was interesting. Very good point. Yeah, the interesting thing about that was I think it was just it – was ne- it wasn't necessarily uh, – Thing. Like you would think that he'd just be typecast into just wanting to write additional journey music, and at Double Fine it was an opportunity to do something really opposite. And I saw, literally, I, th- I think, like it's like little sparkle in his eyes when I mentioned, "Well, what if we do something that's the opposite of it?" And I think I really delivered on that with with the oh, kung yeah. fu activity. I mean, all of it really. And, but just the fact that it was an opportunity to see that, like, like sort of like, wow, that's interesting creatively. You give yourself a chance. 
uh, to do something really amazing. Not every time, but there's, you're just always giving yourself chances as, an, as a sort of a person who's sort of a receiving the, the, the ball, as it were, on, on my side of the field. And the composers like Peter and Austin and Chris, you write. Um, I really was rejuvenated by that experience, knowing like I need to just be inside their their minds more and give them the ability, just kind of like way Tim does for me most of the time. It's or, true, actually. The Kung Fu was the last one we did, I think, uh, uh, in the string of of activities in the game. And, yeah. and that, I remember it being one of those things where you were like, you know, don't be afraid, but like this is kind of like getting a lot of scrutiny and 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 you know probably going to do a lot of back and forth on it but we had already been doing all that on the others that i felt like we were in such a sink that they got no notes back on it and i just cackled with laughter the whole time i was composing (laughs) at the ridiculousness of what i was composing Do you remember the direction too? It was like really bizarre. It was like the most bizarre direction, I think. Like, like Bruce Lee, nineteen seventies. Yeah, like Jackie kinda. Chan, Drunken Master. But and it was just something that you would not be. Yeah, it was just it was just a really bizarre kind of thing. And it, we actually we had a really difficult time just trying to figure out what that was. And and even it's really weird. But even with that was uh, Pat Drew was the the project lead. Even though those guys like you have to beware of the project leads that are oh no everything's totally cool it's just going to be fine like you like row row you know like those are the guys that think could, could be the most like have the most amount of notes and the most fickle. Uh, but no, he was uh, it was definitely something that was I, I just felt like you were just in the zone. You were having you can hear sort of the the fun in the If score. we'd started with it, I can't promise anything would have gone down the way it did, but because it was like the seventh or eighth or ninth or one or whatever that we were doing, it it was, you know. Peter, am I misremembering this, or did you do the theme for? for I did, yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. The theme and the and the uh, magical fairy dancer, (laughs) yeah, and uh, bathtub time. The theme was fantastic. By the way, I got to say, this is so, Peter. I've mentioned earlier, I've been a fan of yours uh, ever since the early LucasArts days. So, Mm -hmm. uh, but oh my god, the um, the theme to uh, Happy Action Theater and Connect Party is is now. It, it really haunts me because I, <laughs> I sat I when when the entire Close time Connect Party night, was in development, <laughs> I sat a couple desks away from oh, so Drew Skelman. Yeah. I, I swear to God, I swear to God, a hundred times a day. It's it's my nightmare music now. It's I the understand. music that you would strap me into the padded room and give me the like um, Clockwork Orange, you know. <laughs> like, well, thanks so much. That's awesome. <laughs> it's a great piece of it's a great piece of music. But I just now that I have you here, I I wanted to you know vent a little. You know, I kind of I kind of feel like like it's 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 always our job to to uh, to uh, you know make it make it make it not too much torture. You know? <laughs> If you're going to li- listen to it a lot, you got to remember that whatever you do, it's going to be listened to an awful lot of times. So it's really got to hold up to yeah. that. Well, it's got it's got that great um, kind of like emphasis on the upbeat, you know, like the offbeat mm-hmm. that that a lot of the stuff from Psychonauts had. Like it is a, right it is a really cool piece of music. 
So, I mean, there are, there are worse things that could have been seared into my brain. But, you know, I, I, I know that feeling. It's yeah. in, in development. I, I actually, a lot of times when I'm writing, I think about, you know, the poor people who have to test the game. <laughs> you know, and I go, you know, let's, let's, okay, let's, let's try to find some way to. But you know, we definitely are, are, are uh, to jump on the uh, kind of fanboy thing here. I, I, I will say you are very good at capturing that infectious, but it actually holds up after like 10,000 listens where you're not. Mm-hmm. You're, you might be holding a razor to your wrist, but you're not, you're not actually going to ever go yeah. for it because you actually do really like the music. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it is fantastic. I mean, like, I remember years ago I did a game with Sony, and we were, like, in a meeting, and they said, hey, check out this other thing that we're doing. And they played for me. They were so excited to play for me, Calling All Cars. Oh, yes. And uh, huh. and I remember they didn't say anything. They just hit play. And I was like, that sounds like Peter McConnell. And they are like, this is Peter McConnell. And I was like... Dude, that's so awesome! Like, oh, that, that, that wow! And uh, it was a, it, it was, and even that, you know, it was like I, I remember I I remember it to this day from that one, like just sitting there in the Santa Monica office. So you are singularly good at, at like <laughs> being like the little thing in the Wrath of Khan that crawls into your skull and uh, <laughs> little Khan yeah, earworm, ear, yeah. earworm things. Yeah. yeah. Uh, thanks. That's a that's high praise. I, I also love that because uh, you know with that hap- when when Pete has that theme and then there's Tim sort of like uh, doing the little kind of thing on top of that. It just that's just so <laughs> classic. <laughs> sort of like the 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 team is you know back on the 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 band is back together kind. Of thing, uh, right and it, it, it felt really good knowing that uh, you know, sort of like Tim is sort of directing that little mad, crazy circus show that this was, and and your music, you know, sort of like scoring that thing was about as quintessential double fine as it can possibly. And then, well, of course, uh, on the on that note, actually, um, because this this has happened quite recently, mm-hmm. uh, I'd be curious to hear your impressions. Uh, from the first recording session for Reds, which is the the game that was funded by Kickstarter backers, right, and is oh. t- the new kind of t- big Tim Schafer game from Double Fine. You know that that was very exciting because um, and uh, and uh, you know Brian brought me in to uh, you know listen to the listen to the sort of sketch with mm-hmm. the with the video and, and, and we uh, we sort of all sat there together and looked at it and said you know we we don't usually bring in live musicians at this early of a, a stage in the process and but but i think brian really pushed for it he said you know we it's really time to do this now you know let's this is this is going to be important a lot of people are going to hear this and uh and so we uh we uh you know booked the sessions and and uh and what did, did you record over there and, and just right over here at pyramid and it was we just recorded kind of, kind of well we, we, it you? was it was um it was uh violin and, and cello and then the violin also was a violist uh and uh and then we also I recorded separately uh, a friend of mine um, playing uh, Celeste Celesta Celeste. Mm-hmm. I've your, never heard I've your... never heard a consensus on how. You <laughs> <do that. laughs> in uh, in in uh, in Brooklyn, so we had we had a session in Brooklyn and a session in San Francisco, like a couple days apart. <laughs> yeah, man, it's... small, very very small string ensembles are so underused these days in game soundtracks. I feel like well, these and were are really they, wonderful are they players. Solos? They were, are they, 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 they was it was total footballs. Uh, it was just it was just what the you know that particular little passage called for it was just you know very long drawn out notes and very it, it, it took a lot of focus to 
to uh, really and play getting, the parts. And, and, and worrying about things like intonation, right? Oh, my God, we have to worry about intonation? I forgot. Vienna Symphony's never out of tune. <laughs> well, they were among the fantastic Irene, Irene Caesar and Jess. Yeah, yeah, I want to clarify. I want to clarify really quick, sorry, for people who don't know. When Brian talks about the Vienna Symphony, he's talking about a sample, oh, like a right, sample right. Set, not so, the actual, right, right. not an actual. Like, <laughs> no, they, they hired me going there. Uh, hired, so, yeah, yeah, Simon Rattle conducting the Vienna <laughs> Symphony did the double fine, the, uh, the uh, connect party uh, music, I mean. Uh, well, you know, ever uh, since Herbert von Karajan passed away, yeah, exactly. just, uh, they just have been the same. The legacy yeah. has declined. I'm losing the, um, <laughs> where, when, okay, sorry about exactly. that, guys. Normally, well, I would only work with Bernstein. No, no, no Chris, you're absolutely right. I'm just, I'm just rambling on. But, well, but yeah, sample uh, library, yeah. Uh, what made you adamant about needing to record uh, early on? I mean, this was an interesting thing. And when uh, was this? What is early on? Just mean? last week. Just last week, oh, yeah. Okay. We tracked yeah. last week. And um, interesting thing about that, uh, are we calling it Reds or what are we, are we, can we, um, we can't may, call it the actual the time, word. By the time this podcast comes out, the name of the game almost certainly will have been revealed, but just in case it hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> if not, you can just bleep it because that'll be hilarious. Hey guys, Chris here. Well, as you probably know, we have in fact announced the name of the Double Fine Adventure, aka Reds. It is called Broken Age, and if you want to find out more, you can go to brokenagegame.com where you can watch a trailer, look at some screenshots, and become a backer if you aren't already a backer. Thanks. There is actually a moment where uh, uh, Peter wasn't there, but it was it was Greg. Oh, there's there and there's yeah, Tim there's himself. Tim there walking is. by there's the door. Uh, okay. We're just up. come on in. I, 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 Hi. Are you, are you in the no, no. We're just come on in. The mics, hey. the mics are loud. Austin, right, right. how you doing? It's good to see you, sir. Mr. McConnell. Yeah. You're doing it right now, right? You want to squeeze yeah, in? Yeah. Nice setup in here. Do you want to? Yeah. Do you want to squeeze in? Or this is no, better no, than our normal podcast. No, no, it's not. We're not. Oh yeah, okay. Just I appreciate you saying hello. Hi. Yeah. Hey, Tim Schaefer. Hi. Don't use this part. This is just. You've guaranteed we'll use this part. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, we'll um, and that's funny. They came right at that time when I was talking about. Uh, uh, so Greg is our producer, and of course, you guys know Greg. Right. Um, one of just uh, one of my favorite persons at DF, and uh, uh, who are your least favorite people? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, in this room. <laughs> One of the things we do is that we sort of have to have a united front, as it were. Um, I, I think it's just, you know, I'm just basically we just needed things. We needed to continue to elevate our craft. And one of the things we can do that is not me just soapboxing and, and sort of like, oh, we want this for that. But just getting a team consensus. And I think when you do that, there's a real powerful, like sort of singular voice that, that resonates. And uh, Greg and I, you know, Greg is sort of my counterpart in a sense. We're like, I want to spend money. Greg's like, you can't spend money. And uh, and <laughs> but then but then on this particular juncture, like we both agreed that there was a lot of good and 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 being smart about how we spend our back backers' money is 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 of course paramount. And um, we were just able to find the right compelling argument, saying that this is the right kind of investment, and I think it will get our backers excited. And uh, we sort of confronted Tim because uh, Tim, you know, he's being very conscious about making sure that we we're staying under budget and we're doing the best we can to be uh, effective and efficient. And uh, yeah, so we just kind of went in and sort of cornered him and Tim asked me so is this what you guys need to do I'm like yes you know at sort of at the same time in unison and uh, Tim says okay well then let's do it well, I, I imagine that I imagine that benefits development to some degree adventure games are so um, mechanically stripped down compared to a lot of other genres and they, they lean so heavily on atmosphere and things like Absolutely. music and artwork I mean it's got to be a really 
it's got to be really beneficial to the team to be able to have actual instrumental work uh, subbed in, you know, comped into the into the game itself yeah, yeah. at this stage. It's probably not something that you, I mean, that's not something you get for to. You're not lucky enough to have that very often, right? Not to mention beneficial to the composer, sure. Uh, oh, because absolutely. you know, you just it's it's nice to. Um, you know, early on in the stage, get to get to experiment with uh, with uh, you know actual musicians as mm-hmm. opposed to sort of mock-ups and yeah. and you know get your juices flowing and yep. and we got some other materials that we can you know use actually use in the game, which is yeah. oh yeah. Very so, cool. but I assume then that means there will be more <clears throat> sessions. I, oh yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. you're still composing. You know? Oh yeah, yeah quite yeah. a bit. Yeah, no, we're actually kind of in, in you know still fairly early on in the process. Yeah, that's what that was my. Yeah, but that's great though, because I mean, as we all know, so frequently music and and audio entirely often comes online so late in oh, a project, yeah. like totally. when the game is essentially complete, right? You know, and there's not there's not a lot of the the two way feedback that you can that you can yeah, get. Exactly. You're grafting something onto mm-hmm. what is essentially yeah. already set. Yeah, well, it's a little bit like what you got to do on Journey because you you know you got to work with that. Over a long period of time, you get to work with that ensemble, and that's uh... yeah. I, I mean, because the journey had two main production sides to it: the orchestra and then all the solo instruments. And the solos I did what you're talking about. I would record them every couple of months. Mm-hmm. Part of why I was able to do that is because their portion of the budget was so much smaller than the orchestra that if right. I had mm. material that went unused, it wasn't a disaster. But you can't do a day with orchestra and, no, no, and no. Then maybe use some of it. I mean. Almost no game has a budget to support experimenting with with like dozens of people, and so. Right. Um, but with the soloists, in addition to the fact that there was a little bit of wiggle room in the budget, um, and um, and Sony, to my uh, wonderful sort of gratitude, it really empowered me as a music as a you know full music producer mm-hmm. on it, where I could really make those decisions. But in addition, I also knew the players personally, and I'm like, look, if you know, can I just get another hour here or there? Or and if I had to do that, you know, I, I try not to, and I actually don't think I ended up having to at all, but. If there was a safety net where I'm like, if I sure. have a cello solo, I want to get in the game. With solos, you know, with, with full orchestra samples, you can do a decent representation of, like, it's basically along these lines. Right. But with super expressive bare solos. Oh, it's, I, yeah, it's like, pretty hard. Yeah, and, and my mock-ups... I didn't really bend over backwards to even try it. So my mock-ups were especially terrible and just utterly dead and and really just quite fake sounding with the solos. So it was very helpful for the team to hear the intention behind the music as Mm -hmm. early as possible Mm because it was going to be in their builds. Like you were talking about listening listening uh, to the Connect Party theme playing back as someone's working on the game <laughs> yeah. next to you for uh-huh. a year. Absolutely. It infuses uh, everything you're doing. Yeah, so if they're going to be hearing that over and over, I'd rather they hear something, you know, it's worth 100 bucks to to have them hear a real cello right. way early. Right. I, I, had a, I had a really fun experience um, uh, about a year ago when I was doing the score for a game called 30 Flights of Loving, which is a very small this small indie project by a guy named Brendan Chung, who's ridiculously talented. And he, um, when I was asking for in- initially what he wanted from the music, he said, oh, just write something and then I'll make the levels based on that. <laughs> it was like this, this crazy. Awesome. It was that really, is really awesome. It was really, yeah. really cool. So I remember giving him the first, I mean, it changed a lot. What the, I mean, the, versus what I gave him and what it ended up being but still giving him that initial draft of like the title track which is the first thing that I wrote oh no I'm sorry the second thing that I wrote 
and I gave it to him, and he said, oh, okay, great, and he came back a week lo- week later with, like, the, you know, kind of gray-boxed version of the thing, and it was so, it was inc- the only time I've ever had an experience like this where everything was actually going like step by step awesome. in parallel. It was it's really, really exciting. It was a short term project, which is why that was possible. It was the whole thing was like three or four months, but like, mm-hmm. but it was a it was really really exciting and cool. Yeah, there's a great story when they were doing ET, and you know when you do film, like the obsession over adhering to the cut sort of rules over you as a composer, mm-hmm. and like you know. Mm-hmm. If you really want that melody to be five seconds longer, it's like, well, that's sort of too bad. Right. And, uh, the, fil- <laughs> right. the film isn't yeah. five seconds longer. And, but there's a great story where John Williams, being who he is, during the the, the whole ending flying sequence, uh, the big, giant, you know, virtuoso orchestral cue for the whole ending of the movie. Uh, spoiler for any people that are <laughs> 30 <laughs> years behind. Uh, oh, damn it, Austin. Yeah, that is so, a- that's um, a beautiful score by uh, yeah, Oh yeah, I mean it's one of the most is. iconic mm-hmm. in Hollywood history and that and that scene like encapsulates the whole thing. So I mean it's like that that 10 minutes or whatever is is kind of ET in microcosm and the story was that John Williams, you know, did a few takes and um and um he had a perform, and he does it, you know, no click track, all all with stopwatch. I've, I've heard, and I've, I've heard that. I've heard he has smokes. incredible time. Yeah, because he, he time, he's, yeah. you know, he started in a very much pre digital era, and it was a labor intensive process to cut to punch holes and make these click tracks that way. And 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 he was always a performer first. He was a pianist initially, mm-hmm. and so he comes at it from this organic musical perspective of like, I'd rather work with the musicians and get it get it together there and then we'll do another pass where I'm watching the picture and all that whatever and and I may be slightly miss sort of generalizing but the story was on ET that you know he wasn't he, there was like he was working through his little performance nuances that he wanted from the orchestra and then finally when he got a great take that he felt like that's the take he turned to Spielberg and he said that was the best performance but I want you to know that there because it's such a long cue he said there's there's half a dozen or a dozen Sync points that I missed, and Spielberg was like, "Don't worry, I'll just recut the f- cut the scene." Yeah. <laughs> wow! And so that they so they yeah. recut the ending to fit. I mean, it's in details and you know nuance, frame here or there kind of sure. thing. But that's a pretty exceptionally rare mm-hmm. uh, thing. And then you talk about that, and and, and uh, that 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 relationship and that clout is even more so uh, uh, sort of important uh, in gaming. And it's also like there's such a great opportunity there, you know. And we and we do that we. Uh, we get, I get to do that sort of a double fine a lot more than I used to, and I take that for granted. But it's an incredible privilege to know that, like, uh, the, you know, the opportunity we have just on, on Double Adventure to be able to uh, bring those live musicians and then influence our animators and our and our art director and our, you know, like Lee once, like Lee was so like eager to hear your cue because he wanted to just make sure that the visuals were the color and things like that were, were sensitive to this, the instruments and, you know. Uh, uh, um, Animators want to hear that, and there's just general excitement, and I, I sort of akin to live compo- uh, musicians. It's kind of like the day when, when voiceover switched from like using your uh, person at the office to do voiceover, and then we hire, we sort of switch to SAG, and then hire professional, you know, actors. I think they're, you know, not that we can ever do that, probably for practical purposes, because maybe samples are decent enough on certain scale. But I think we need to switch away from that and to really explore like just working with 
great musicians uh, and and understanding how that works and it's got to be able just, to pay for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we'll have to find ways to just, but you know, just like the way we we had to. I remember we used to, there was a huge bucket every time. Like, oh well, why hire you know these voice actors when we can just you know sort of have mm-hmm. robot voices or things like that. I mean, I, I'm completely sympathetic with the budgetary constraints, yeah. but I think there's also an opportunity to sort of push and elevate our craft. Well, it's and, tough to know what you're missing until you see the, yeah, the results. Yeah, it's a tough sell, but I think I'm really convinced that. Uh, you know, in small ways I can by being efficient in other ways to make room for that to continue to do that. And it is sort of the norm uh, in, in, in the bigger. I'll tell you, oh, the, it is. The way, the, what you got to do, it's, it's, it's a much easier thing. All you got to do is take your mock-ups and then take the final mixes. Exactly. And make one MP3 that's 10 <laughs> seconds of each just yeah. side by side. No one who ever listens to that will ever find right. it unworthy to spend money on the live players, even if the mock-ups are amazing. It's true. It's true. Yeah. I mean, it's the people actually moving air mm-hmm. yeah. is mm-hmm. what music uh, is about. You know? And another that's thing it. that was impressive is just, just even that short time at the session, it, act, it had a just an influence on me just as a creative person. But these are real musicians that do great art. And... Um, and for me, that inspires me in just in a lot of different ways. And so uh, that helps me to just, like, resolve my sort of conviction to at, at, on the ground to just, you know, promote them, help them, and, and, and elevate our craft and make sure that the kind of work that I, when I treat their score, I treat it in the way that's as artistic as possible so that our game is that much more immersive. And, and uh, it's just, it's just a, overall a great creative experience. And I think just that alone, I think that inspiration and that sort of excitement that comes along with it, I think is, I think is really neat. Well, Double Fine is unique among game studios because even though the kind of brand of Double Fine is always in a kind of expansion of kind of like what would be a sort of typical Double Fine game is, is always being kind of broadened from the classic like what you you know when you think of like the tint, like Grim Fandango we were mm-hmm. talking about it's obviously mm-hmm. not Double Fine but that's very much part of the legacy of yep. this place yeah, and of Tim's sure. history and mm-hmm. your history and and uh, um, but even despite the broadening of that brand. Um, the kind of games that you guys seem interested in making are ones that have a tendency to always there's an expressiveness to them that the musicianship brought is kind of core to that brand like you're not making games where it's like this wall of sound where samples are going to be mm. pretty much the same thing like there's always a an intimacy and a personality an to it an organic quality yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely you know a solo a solo clarinet you know would be at home in almost any double fine game, no matter mm-hmm. how different they are from each other, because everyone involved is. It, it really is like Pixar, you know, where there's there's a personality just to the the overall group. Uh, it's not it's it's not just a place <laughs> of content being turned out, but there's actually kind of like a a certain sympathy, like cool, a yeah, sympathy really among thoughtful. among yeah. ever, everybody. Well, on the on the note of the kind of. Um, expressiveness scale and, and to go back a little bit to the idea of you know you brought up the et story the notion of scoring to a scene um peter i'm curious what it's like working on a tim schaefer game because you go back to i mean obviously you scored full throttle and grim fandango and then tim's day of the tentacle too day of the tentacle yes, as well yeah. which is a yeah, great great soundtrack and uh well i was I, I should say i was part of that team though there were three of us on day of right. the tentacle that's, but, yeah. that's mainly why i brought up the full throttle right game. right full, th- full throttle jam. was the first thing that i that i did yeah. just with tim and and or just me with him or uh, anyway, as you oh, were I was just—I was just going to say. There's an interesting thing about um, this. Is obviously, not at all unique to Double Finder Tim Schafer games, but I think they're a good example of games that rec- demand both the highly specific kind of scoring to a scene. Uh, you know, very. Um, 
one use kind of particular uh, composition and then mm-hmm. also writing something that maybe the player is going to be hearing for an hour straight because he's stuck he's stuck on this puzzle and he's he's there for the whole time and, and I mean are those do those feel like just different modes of composition for you or or are, is it all of a piece oh boy that's a good question so I mean in in other words uh, and that's something that a sort film, of like, film composer doesn't really have to deal no, with. No, film, film composers don't have to worry about. Uh, gee, you know, my, this piece might be heard, you know, a, a zillion times and, longer and than the length longer of the film. Than, right. Longer than the length <laughs> exactly. of the film. Yeah, you know, and the idea that a, a, a game might be a, an adventure game might might be a, like a forty hour experience if it's mm-hmm. a really extensive one, and but and yet it will have, have one hour. No, it music, might have yeah. one hour of music in it if you're lucky, and yeah. that's. Um, so, um, it is. I think it is actually different. Um, uh, well, it's clearly different scoring for scoring a, a cutscene, scoring mm-hmm. for video. Yeah, I mean, because for me, that's that's a very. I don't. I don't know if this is true for you, Austin, but I, for me, it's like I watch the scene and I just hear what's got to happen or i don't and i watch it again until i do hear what's got to happen and and it's very it's very much about this exact little moment in time has to sound exactly right whereas if it's a a a larger thing it's more about the vibe or if a a larger thing if it's an interactive thing it's more about the vibe and your your imagination you're sort of in in a in a world of of Am I in keeping with what I'm imagining? Mm-hmm. Do I do I feel? Do I, am I have the right mood going on? And um, yeah, so they are different. And and one of them, and in the second, I think you are at least I am conscious of of the of the idea of uh, you know not hitting people too much or too hard or something like that. I think sometimes though I. I just it just kind of happens though yeah. you know it, it depends on the game too right in something like Psychonauts you're the even the even the looping music might be more assertive than in like than Full Throttle for example I mean the, yes. you know the game's yeah. in such a different tonal space yeah that Full Throttle's a, a game about space yeah and mm-hmm. openness yeah. and uh, you know uh, it was it was really the first LucasArts game I think that we did that had a lot of silence in it you yeah know, I, was that just say, had, I played that game I a love ton, that about and I, didn't, it. I remember mainly. You know the tumbleweed and the yeah. There's obviously a lot of there's the, the song, you know, the Gone Jackal and song, and and then I remember the music being yeah, a pretty so subtle part, it, very of it. subtle, very subtle mm-hmm. part of it, and and it was also uh, that was also our first, it was our second digital score, Rebel Assault being the first. Mm, okay, interesting. Mm. So that was the first game where we did anything that was recorded, and uh, and so you know, which for the for the soundtrack was still kind of. Uh, uh, we, you know, it was it was just synthesizer sounds, uh, but you know, trying to get that organic vibe as much as we well, could. You're kind of, I feel like your score in that game, kind of the Gone Jackal stuff, does all the really hard driving stuff, right? And then your music picks up when something ominous is needed. You yeah, know, it's, something it's the underscore. Or ominous it's the like, underscore, yeah. Because that game is both this kind of heavy metal biker thing, but also kind of a noir. Yeah. You know, and there's yes. like the the, yeah. the biker stuff. The biker music is not going to kind of carry the noir side of things so you mm-hmm. need to kind of fill it in somewhere else yeah that's sort of the rye cooter end of things was mm-hmm. the was the uh was the underscore for that game and uh yeah and that that and and uh and uh the quote from uh the ride of the valkyries yeah of course
classic. I, uh, yeah, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> what a uh, amazing. Yeah, that really was a great. I love where I love. I love how emotionally invested I got in that game. Yeah. Considering the the threat in that game mm-hmm. is that the biker company is going to start making minivans. Oh, that's right. so cool, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because you get sure this, like, for that character, for that world, that's, yep. like, the most disastrous thing Oh, yeah, no, that's thing the thing. That it's actually, like, you actually care. You know, like, you yeah. actually, like, it's credit to Tim, you know, that the writing was mm-hmm. the first so, time I ever felt truly like I almost had tears in my eyes from a game was... It, the one there's the one line in Grim Fandango where uh, the girl uh, shows up in the land of the dead and she yes. looks at you and she says you're not the nurse. Yeah, it was amazing. It was yeah. like beautiful and yeah, and yet yeah. you were like, damn, like that's that's well, uh, that's quite poignant and quite yeah. profound. Yeah. My experience with with Tim's work was just you know mostly on Brutal Legend and I I remember just just. You know, being heartbroken over Ophelia, like I have a huge crush on Ophelia, and it just, uh, and the thing is, a lot of the script, I was uh, fortunate enough to be part of the rewriting process because Tim would come in and he would scratch dialogue with me, record, yeah, that's awesome. and then he would, you know, I, I told you a little bit, but he just he would just go back and forth, and he would ask me like, "Man, that sounds terrible, right?" I'm like, "I'm not saying anything. I'm just recording you," and and he's just iterating the lines and just the thoughtful. Like people knew, like like the uh, the amount of time that I spend whatever tweaking my mix, like Tim is agonizing over every line and just to kind of craft something and and as an audio person who experiences music uh, uh sound effects and and voiceover all at the same experience like man dialogue is at the center right that that the the, the character and the and and of course uh, uh chris brown who's not here amazing talented voice uh, mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh, she really uh, and yes. the thoughtfulness the, every nuance so that's like for me like i all the pic- the pictures if they all come together is but it starts with the character and the lines they say that, that they say and then the way they execute it and then and then the Music supports it, or or new music itself becomes its own character. But um, you know, just so so spoiled to to um, to be able to work in this kind of uh, sort of fashion. So I try to. I'm hoping that music will be one of those characters as well to to continue to support that. You know, the kind of great lines that Tim Tim writes. So, yeah, man. Yeah. I remember when the when the Kickstarter first went ballistic. I reached out to Greg, and I was, you know, ever being ever the com- the freelance composer. You know, you always <laughs> want to know what's happening with something. Yeah. But I remember I called and I said, "I'm going to hope that your answer to this is that Pete McConnell is going to be scoring that game." Right. But However, yeah. I would like to know what your plan is on it. But it was I really meant that a lot because I was like that. That's a lineage that should not be broken. It'd be like if Steven Spielberg says, "I'm making, you know, sure, I'm making sure. a new film." Yeah. It's like. No matter how much you want to work with Steven Spielberg, John Williams should be scoring sure. that movie. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, and it's, it's one of those things where, like, uh, and and that too, and you know, like with Pete, the with uh, with the, the company is evolving and it's growing. And uh, try to wrap this up, but you know, it's it's one of those things where uh, the Double Fine has also not just Tim, but you know, we have new project leads and new ideas, and and of course, Tim is the one who sort of it sort of initiated all that. Like, we need to grow as a company. We're doing multiple projects, and. We we have sort of like the venerable, you know, sort of McConnell Schaefer, you know, like duo, and then we have like but then we have stuff like Drop Court. Yeah, you know, we have stuff like, like Drop Court, which is just completely wacko, and you know, we have opportunities like with Austin and yeah. to be able to work with, and of course with with you and being involved on uh, Space Base and and uh, uh, just other like new 
partnerships and, and opportunities and all of that sort of being able to come together and being able to share the things that we learn. And, and el- like, again, it's just like elevating our craft uh, just is so fulfilling because then then there's a reason why it's more than just a job, that, but it's a, it's a passion and you're just so fortunate and thankful to be able to express uh, that and then and then just you just spread that joy. Hopefully, you know instead of being such a grumpy person, like, <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, and I do. I I'm, I I I'm like this, like sort of like um, like this dual whatever the two face. It's just kind of like there are days where I just loathe what I do just because I'm like, oh, woe is me. And then other times, just like I'm the luckiest person. And uh, and and it's it's I have to just sit on that side to to remind myself of that. And then and then just. And then share. Oh well, well we're we're all so lucky. <laughs> we are. Yeah, we sure are. Damn straight. Damn straight. My my uh, my wife tells tells you know our kids you know your dad loves what he does and <laughs> and, uh, and uh, that is that's just a wonderful thing to to yeah. you know people not not a lot of people can say that yeah, not a lot of yeah. people can say yeah. I really I really love what I do and cool, cool. I'm I'm lucky to be doing it. Well, we're lucky to have you guys uh, here in the studio. Thanks for coming in. All right. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Take care, everyone. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. That was part one of our Composers podcast. Stay tuned for part two, where we answer questions from the community with Austin Wintery, Peter McConnell, Brian Min, and me. All right. Talk to you guys soon.